Hello, welcome back everybody. Hello strangers. Uh, it's been a little while. It's been a short transmission break of a week. Uh, I do apologise for that. I really do send my biggest heartfelt apologies for the delay in content. Bit of a tricky week, but back in action and ready to get going again. Uh, if you're listening to this in real time with a double whammy this particular week. So you have not one, but two new episodes of Out of the Ordinary to get stuck into. So I hope you enjoy them. This week's episode, or this particular episode, episode five, is called Somebody to Love. Now I've recorded this once before, and this is the second time I'm recording it. And I'm recording it a second time because I needed to record this differently. Because the first time I wasn't happy with the result. I, I felt it was not, um, wasn't quite right in terms of what I wanted to put out there and what I wanted the, the, the those of you that listen to, to kind of experience, I guess. Um, it's quite a, a raw subject. I, I don't think I've, I'm going to hide that from anybody, but at the same time, it's an important one. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think it definitely needs to be covered. And I'm going to just jump in and try and uh, make things a bit clearer in regards to the topic, which, of course, if you haven't guessed, somebody to love, we are talking about romance. We're talking about autism and romantic relationships specifically, which should be interesting, as <laughs> as always. But um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a really good one. And I think it's one that a lot of people will ask about or a lot of people will have preconceptions about. And I think it's important to to cover that and get stuck into it. So the way I want to start this is I think, well, I, I, I can say from experience, maybe from looking at people on the outside or people who aren't autistic, um, one of the biggest questions you might find yourself presented with is, well, can autistic people actually have relationships? Can autistic people date? Can autistic people have partners? Basic, simple answer. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that might surprise you. That might not go uh, with the perhaps narrative you're used to, maybe mainly coming from the mainstream media. Uh, but yes, it is absolutely possible. Not only is it possible, it's it's more than enjoyable for a lot of uh, people who live alongside autism. And, and that is, you know, that that's 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 good. That's positive. That that is important to remember. And I think a lot of people don't either realise or they forget it or. You know, they have that, that understanding in the head wrong, basically. However, now you may be listening to this as a neurotypical person who, you know, has no experience directly or indirectly of autism. And you might be thinking, OK, well, you know, what's the problem then? If you can date, if you can have relationships, if you can be with a partner, then why do an episode about it? Well, just because autistic people can date, have relationships, have partners... Nobody said it was easy. Nobody said it was simple or straightforward or without challenges, barriers, hurdles, etc. And that's essentially what we're going to cover today, because I think that's probably what will educate a bit more about what, what, what we're dealing with here. So, you know, not only can autistic people date and have relationships, etc., they can be uh, physically intimate. They can be very close, very emotionally involved with their partners. Um, they can, you know... <laughs> surprise they can hit all the big landmarks you know get married have kids um 
you know, move houses. It's 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 crazy, isn't it? It's it's almost as if we were just like everyone else. Um, but yes, obviously challenges, etc., and all the barriers um, we mentioned, which we will go into. And I think a good place to start is just to kind of have a little look at what sort of things are we talking about when we say potential challenges. So I think maybe the first one I would say in terms of looking at potential issues, challenges, etc. Um, think about dating somebody, think about being on the dating scene or think about the relationship you're in with your partner if you have a partner or if you've had partners. A lot of that communication is social. It's, uh, it's very socially engrossing, very socially demanding scenario situation to be in because of course it's you and another human being interacting you know every day um all the time either closely or indirectly you know if it's virtual etc but all of that will involve social contact and social contact for a lot of autistic people is something that they really really struggle with it's one of the biggest traits that can cause autistic people difficulty is their social abilities social skills social tolerances and of course, one of the biggest things about that is, I guess it means you can't really just date anyone. You can't really just be in a relationship with anyone. If you have different tolerances, if you have different limitations on how you manage socially. So you couldn't, you know, you know for me, an example, if I put myself in that, that position, somebody who doesn't appreciate that I wouldn't be life and soul of the party 24-7, seven days, you know, I just said that, seven days a week. Um, somebody who didn't get that or didn't like that or didn't appreciate that's probably not the person for me, let's be honest. Because, you know, as much as I do socialise, and actually my socialising skills, abilities, tolerances have definitely improved recently, actually. Um, you know, and I, I, I do enjoy it, but it has to be, you know, it has to be kind of, to a healthy balance and you know you can't I suppose it's very difficult to expect somebody who's autistic to just say oh well you know this is what people do this is what society considers normal you know just just slot into it abide to it and uh, crack on it's not going to work like that unfortunately um and I think that's it's another it's, it's not just an autistic thing either I think in any relationship or if you're dating somebody new or you're getting to know somebody you've got to take into account that you're two different people who like each other, who are attracted to each other, you know, want to get to know each other, want to spend time with each other, but you both bring different things to that dynamic. You both bring different qualities. Uh, you both bring different strengths, perhaps different weaknesses, different vulnerabilities. And that's good. That's healthy. That is so... Some of the strongest relationships I have seen or continue to see now are where two people bring very different things to each other and they learn and they grow and they develop as people together with each other. And I think that is one of the benefits, which I'll come on to later about dating someone who is autistic, is you will learn and develop yourself and your understanding, your awareness, your everything that you might have interpreted in your life up until that moment. You'll, you'll grow and learn so much because that autistic person is probably more than likely to help you do so um, in a really loving, caring, supporting mature way 
and I think that's fantastic and that that you know that gets lost in the in the script quite a lot is people just think oh well if they're not able to you know jump up at a minute's notice and go and do something social then what's the point like I'll, I'll find someone I'll find someone a bit easier I'll find someone that's a bit simpler with and and that's a real shame that's a real shame because you know you might have someone who is available to be with you at the drop of the hat but can they give you other qualities can they give you you know can they give you love can they give you support can they give you guidance can they help you to grow can they help you to become uh, stronger as a person can they you know can they give you that unconditional love the honesty the loyalty the 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 you know it, it, it's not just one or nothing in terms of qualities to look for when you're dating somebody and i think when we're talking about autistic people that's so important to remember because you know, there are such great qualities, which we will come on to later about why you should date autistic people. And that is a good one to look at. In terms of other challenges, obviously we talked about socially. Um, I think one that ties in socially, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, being adverse or struggling with change is a really big, big one um, for autistic people that date or want to be in relationships. Now I myself relate to this particular one a lot. I have a lot of difficulty managing, adjusting, accepting change. Um, a lot of autistic people, including myself, can be very creatures of structure and routine or habit um, because those things keep you well. Those, those things keep you um, stable, they keep you on track, they keep you positive, you know, day to day, it's a way of maintaining yourself and making sure that you stay healthy, positive and happy. And of course, if you're going to introduce another human being into your space, if you're going to introduce another human being into your life, you know, which then becomes day to day life, that's a very big adjustment. That's a very big transition to make. And for anybody, that's going to be scary for anyone that's going to be anxiety provoking <clears throat> but for an autistic person that is a big big thing and it's something that should never be underappreciated because even if there are struggles even if there is a an, an initial inability to work out how to make that transition or to, or to work out how to accept that change and let it in and let it settle even if there is a a barrier or if that person is pushing back or if that person is almost resisting they're not resisting or pushing back because of you as the potential partner. It's got nothing to do with you. I, I and uh, you know that might be the, the, the that might not be true for everybody because you know everyone's different. But traditionally, if you're looking at someone, you're dating someone who's autistic, and they are involved with you in this kind of new alien world, especially if this is somebody's first proper romantic relationship as well they're in this alien world with you and for you maybe if you're not autistic yourself you're kind of used to this pattern you're used to this this kind of cycle of of behavior and what's considered the way to go in terms of dating or the norm for them you know it doesn't matter how many i suppose you you grow and you learn and you get better and you develop each time you do it but don't underestimate that dating especially as the first stage Dating is, for a lot of people, autistic or not, 
but for autistic people, dating, I find dating, sometimes I find dating so confusing and puzzling and challenging that I, I almost wish I could skip dating and just say, I really like this person, I really like you, can we just be in a relationship right now? And we'll do that and then we'll make our own way, we'll make our own plan, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of make it work without needing to do the the dating bit. Because the dating bit is the most socially challenging bit as well, as we said earlier. And I just find it, I find it, I find it perplexing. Not because of the other people, like I've been, you know, I've, I've been on dates with some really lovely people and recently, you know, someone absolutely fantastic. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed dating this this recent person. I've, I've enjoyed it so much. I mean, we'll get onto that a little bit later. But um, don't don't ever for one minute think that I didn't spend a lot of time very very anxious because I'm thinking, oh shit, I really like this person. Um, you know, I'm somebody who struggles with with adjusting to change, letting change become a part of my day to day existence. Um, you know, this person obviously is keen to spend time with me, keen to see me a lot. And I want to do that too. Don't get me wrong. I want to do all of that too. But how do I go about making sure I look after myself as well? Struggling to find that balance was really, really tricky. Um, and it's just, it's almost, it becomes this concoction, if you like, this cauldron of just imaginary pressure because even if the other person says to you, there's no pressure, like, chill, like, no, no worries, like, we'll take it, rah, rah, rah. You, because you're trying to process so much all at once, and it's just coming at you, coming at you, coming at you, you just almost get consumed in a way. So I think something else to consider as well as the kind of social aspects of things, which you could go on and on and on about, I guess, depending on each individual person, but... One of the biggest things as well about dating or being in a relationship when you're autistic is getting overstimulated or overwhelmed. Now, obviously, day to day, in every day's scenarios, we take in a lot of information a lot of the time. We take in a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, a lot of experiences, and a lot of those that we don't always understand or that we don't always understand straight away. And a lot of those things for an autistic person can be really overwhelming. And that's something I think is that's underappreciated very, very much. It's, I think, just being in a situation with a strange new person who you are completely attracted to, you're completely on board with, you're completely into, you know that you really like. But for me, and this one is quite personal to me as of recent time, one of the biggest reasons that my recent dating slash relationship um, very regrettably, very sadly, uh, came to a conclusion is it took me a long time to process and understand that the feelings I had for this other person were more than just attraction. They were actually love. And I've never been in love before. I'm 31 years old. I've never been in love before uh, Before this year. 
But the person I met in January, um, was it January? Yeah, it was January, uh, beginning of January, New Year. Um, I fell in love with this person. I am still in love with this person. I probably, in some shape or form, will always be in love with this person. Um, I definitely experienced a couple of different things that I do also want to talk about, but getting overstimulated just to stay on, on point for this one. Um, it's feeling overwhelmed by all of these experiences that you're feeling. And a lot of these experiences, especially in my case, can be new or the feelings that you're having for the first time. And it takes a lot longer to process them and make sense of them and understand why they're there and what they mean and how to respond to them, how to react. And that is something I was not doing a great job of, um, admittedly. And I, I do take responsibility for that. I just couldn't work out why in a situation that, you know, ideally is supposed to be so kind of obviously enjoyable, positive, exciting, etc., which it was all those things. But then I noticed this, these feelings inside me that I just couldn't work out. I couldn't understand. I couldn't kind of think, I know this is good, but why am I anxious? Why am I so incredibly anxious? Why do I feel, uh, you know, this this kind of impending sense of, you know, anxious worry? Very, very sadly, uh, in this particular instance, it was when I lost the person, when I the person had gone and, you know, that I hadn't had enough time or space or the ability to understand these feelings in my own speed, if you like. It was when this person disappeared that I realised, oh shit, I know what it is. I know what this feeling is. It's love. I'm in love. Um, and by that point, it's too late. It's too late to declare it. It's too late to kind of settle with it and run with it, roll with it and be like, yes, this is, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm locked in, you know, I'm, I'm ready. And some people may be able to do that very quickly. And I, you know, I take my hat off to those sort of people. I, I, I think it's, you know, every, like I said before, everyone is different. There is no perfect answer of how to do it. There's no right and wrong. But for me, I am definitely somebody who takes longer, needs more time, needs processing, needs to make sense of things. Um, it's not that I don't want to jump in. It's just that I, I'm just my brain's just not wired that way uh, to just jump into new things and and just adapt straight away. If that makes sense, I'm just not one of those people, and that that's because autism exists alongside, and I, I get it, I understand it, but still, don't take away from the fact that it's utterly tragic when you know. Sometimes you feel like it really gets in the way. Sometimes you feel like it, it sabotages or ruins things. And I know it's not deliberate. I know it's not on purpose or my fault. But yes, it's very hard. And to still be in love with somebody who you never got the chance to openly express that once you'd worked it all out and got it in place is is a, a very difficult thing to carry with you but there we go 
<laughs> um, but getting overstimulated, you know, if you're going to lots of new places, if you're going to places you've never been before, um, you know, if somebody is having conversations with you that you're not used to, or I'll be perfectly honest, and this is going to sound a little bit sad, but when you're, when also you've not been used to someone putting effort in with you, paying attention to you, being sensitive to your needs, caring for you, showing you affection, you can become used to not, not knowing what to do with it, not knowing how to let it in because you just, again, it's another example of something that's so alien. And I read something the other day, which there's a lot of absolute shite on the internet or social media about relationships and the do's and don'ts and whatever. And I think a, a lot of it is just so-called experts in inverted commas um and a lot of it says you know um what is it uh, oh yes you know i sometimes you don't allow love to come into your life because you don't know what love looks like and then that's partly true um but that has, perhaps has more to do with people who've been through perhaps quite damaging people and damaging experiences rather than what we're talking about which is being autistic and having a completely different brain to a lot of other people but i guess you know i can see the i can see the, the size of the coin i think you have to be very careful when you look at so-called experts online because it's very easy to make sweeping statements and generalized comments about people's relationships but unless you're the two people who are in that relationship then you don't really know it do you and you don't really know those people either um, and the bond and the relationship and the communication that they have with each other. So it's very easy to make these sweeping statements, but I don't know if I agree with most of it, I'll be honest. Um, overstimulated, I mean, you know, there, again, when we talk about socially, there are lots of kind of rules. And again, with the, the online world, you get a lot of the do's and the don'ts, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, the, the, <laughs> the icks, the faux pas, the red flags, all that kind of absolute rubbish. Um, I, I just feel there is so much put on dating and having a relationship now. It, it's, it's no wonder it's overstimulating. And for an autistic person, it quite honestly frazzles your brain, which is already, you know, on a, on a kind of wobbly board, if you like. It just frazzles it. The thing to consider as well with overstimulation or overwhelm when you're doing uh, something like dating or you're in the kind of initial uh, first phases of a relationship is with overstimulation there's the very high likelihood of reacting with uh, something like meltdowns or kind of anxiety attacks if you like um i had so the the again the most recent example of somebody that i was you know with um, mine, I think mine got to a point in myself where I hadn't addressed it or dealt with it well enough yet. But I think I reached a point one day that I just had this, I could feel this meltdown coming of just overwhelm. And because, and it wasn't overwhelmed because this person had made me feel, um, it made me feel kind of, kind of uh, anything negative etc or anything like that it was it was overwhelmed because I was really struggling to deal with how I was feeling about this person and and I was really struggling to work out okay well, I know this is a 
feeling I've never experienced before, but um, I just don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to make sense of it. I don't know how to understand it. This person is right in front of me and every time I look at them, this feeling's just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And, you know, it's so hard because I could feel, and, you know, autistic people, we get good at knowing when our meltdowns are usually going to come. And I could feel it building. I could feel it coming. And I could say, or, you know, on a podcast in confidence, I didn't handle it well. I could see a meltdown coming. I could feel it coming. Um, I was with this person at the time and my first instinct was, I don't know, I think I maybe felt embarrassed, felt a bit ashamed and I thought I don't want to put this person who I'm just trying to get to know intimately through, you know, me having a meltdown in front of them. I didn't know if that was fair, I didn't know if that was reasonable, I didn't think that that was something that I don't know if that's something I felt either of us were ready for that to happen yet. Um, you know, I've, I was I was perfectly I've been transparent about being autistic since the first date, so that wasn't that wasn't a uh, that wasn't an issue. But I look back on it now and I think, you know, it's so unfortunate because it was less to do with anything that was going on or less than anything that had been said or was happening or triggered or whatever but I was just at this point where I was like they've got so much of this new alien feeling in my head and my emotions are all over the place and I don't know what to do with this and how to how to work through it and you know when this guy that I'm absolutely crazy about is in front of me and you know physically in front of me and I, I just yeah just <laughs> had a meltdown and and had to kind of regrettably, so regrettably, had to kind of almost, I don't know, in my head it felt like I was saving him from that experience. But actually when I look back on it, I think, no, that was that was a really, really stupid, ridiculous thing to do. You shouldn't have been ashamed. You shouldn't have been self-conscious or embarrassed. You should have just worked through it. But I'm not, I'm not blaming myself. I'm just saying that I do have regret in that respect. But it's another, you know, I guess it ties into another thing about not always knowing what to do socially. I, for my reaction was, you know, I'm so used to being, having negative experiences or being, facing rejection or, or judgment, etc. that the best thing to do is just to evacuate and deal with it on my own. And, you know, shortly after I, I did on my own go into a meltdown, uh, which is obviously then you have to recover from. But it's so it's such a challenge. It really is. Sometimes it's just and these dynamics, I think, as well, dating. That's why I said I'd love to skip dating. I think the dynamic of dating is just so completely overwhelming, overstimulating for an autistic person that it's a bloody miracle that <laughs> it's a bloody miracle that some of us get through it. We definitely need to talk about uh, the difficulty with adjusting to change because that's a massive one for autistic people and we've talked about it I think at certain points before on the podcast but dealing with change is one of the biggest barriers I think an autistic person can face when starting to date or looking to enter a new relationship because when you are somebody who relies so much on structure or routine and then you have a brand new human being in front of you who is of course quite naturally and quite acceptably very different to you um 
or different in, in good ways. Um, you have to learn to adjust to not only your place in this new, you know, confusing, but also positive existence. You have to also accommodate someone else into that and someone else's preferences, someone else's ideas and and plans and strategies and mindsets, etc. And that is a huge task. It's a huge task. It's one. It's a task that I still haven't really managed to completely succeed at. Um, but I suppose when you're so used to your way of existing day to day, because you know it keeps you well and you know it keeps you grounded, safe, secure, on track and, and healthy, um, when someone else comes along, taking that into account is is a huge huge thing and it's not easy and it's very scary and it can be really difficult to adapt to but it makes a huge difference as to who the other person is it makes a huge difference as if, as to if they are understanding accommodating appreciative of what what you need from your end um it's it should never be just about you just because you're the autistic one or, or even if you're both autistic it should never just be about one of you and not the other it should always be like people say a lot of the time, it should always be compromise and middle ground. I, I completely believe that, completely agree with that. Um, it's something I, <laughs> again, it's going to sound a bit soppy. It's something that if I had the chance to return to or refresh and go again with, something that I would feel more confident with now just because I think I've learned a lot through the process and it's forced me to look at things from a another person's perspective in that scenario. Because um, we can become very rigid, we can become very comfortable and very used to the things that we do in the way we do them. And, and a lot of the time, you know, your brain can think, well, no, we know that this works for us. We know that this keeps us on track. We know that this does what we need it to do for our lives. So why would we... Why would we give part of that away? Why would we change that? Why would we, why would we adapt that? And and well, the reason you do that is because you want to keep the other person in your life, and you want to respect that they have a, a life as well, and and those things are important. But change, the adversity or the difficulty with change when you're dealing with somebody new in your life is huge. So if you were going to date an autistic person, you may be wondering, well, how the hell am I going to? How the hell would I get it right? How the hell would I know what to do? And there are some quite simple things, I think, that you can just bear in mind is, and I'm going to try and just go through them very quickly, just to give a, an overview that, that might just be helpful. So if you, uh, I don't know, if you're listening to this and you're single and you've just met somebody where you meet somebody in the future and they say to you, oh, by the way, I'm autistic. Um, and you're like, oh, OK. Uh, oh, what does this mean? Am I going to be cut out for this? Is this the right thing? Stop. Take a, take a minute. Stop for a second. Think of a couple of these things, if you can, at least. So when you're talking with somebody who's, who's autistic or, or lives alongside autism, I think communication is a massive, massive, if not the biggest, biggest thing. Communication, if you can do that well, effectively, meaningfully, and be as understanding as a person as you can possibly be you can't go far wrong with your communication skills as long as they are very very good strong effective um trying to be try not to do the whole guessing game thing or the back and forth kind of table tennis thing of oh i know what i'm feeling but i'm going to let you guess or oh i wonder what you're feeling but i'm not going to ask because i don't want to be too key yeah autistic people we don't like that we don't like all that crap be direct be clear, concise, direct, 
meaningful. Don't cut round corners, just be direct and straightforward up front and just be honest and mature about it. You know, don't we there's so many people out there now who will play lots of mind games, who will leave you guessing, who will whatever other word you want to put in there. It, it, I mean, one, I don't think that's a great basis for a partner anyway, if that's the sort of mentality that they want to have. Um, and that's, you know, I have to say, that is one thing I really love, love, love about the guy I was seeing this year is he did those things that I asked for. These He did those things that I wanted and and directness. And I, I knew, I knew how he felt about me. And that is something I have not forgotten and will never forget. And, you know, regardless of the fact that I wasn't mentally, mentally, cognitively able to always fully match that response, it doesn't mean I didn't feel it, because I do, <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can assure you. So direct communication is a, a really important one. Giving your partner space when they ask for it, especially if they've been overstimulated. Now, you know, we've already talked about this one, giving somebody space if you're dating them when they're like, oh, do you know what? I'm overwhelmed. I just need a break. I need a few days off. I need, can I see you later than planned, etc." A lot of people will jump to the conclusion that that is a negative sign from the autistic partner that, oh, they've gone off me. They don't want to see, they don't want to talk to me. They'd rather not spend time with me. I've done something wrong. I'm a mess. I'm ugly. I'm this, I'm that. That's, bo- that's bullshit. It's utter bullshit. It's nothing to do with you as the reciprocated partner. Overwhelm and overstimulation we've just talked about earlier. If an autistic person is feeling these things while they're dating or while they're in a relationship, they just need the time to rejuvenate their mental energy, their emotional energy. They need that space just to say, I'm going to step back. You are not the issue. You are wonderful. You are great. I love spending time with you. I love who you are to me. You're so important. This has nothing to do with you. This is everything to do with what I just need to re-regulate my levels of ability to manage day to day. Um, Being understanding of your partner if they need to take a break from socialising, social settings or spending, you know, more intimate time goes hand in hand with the last one. Be understanding. I mean, you can be a prick about it, but it just means you're a prick pretty much. And, you know, once once you get over the egotistical side of things that, oh, you know, it's everything to do with me. I've done. No, I've just said that. If you can be understanding as best as you can and you, you don't that doesn't mean you have to understand the whole thing because I'm sure if you're not autistic it's going to be an absolute you're going to be like oh, I don't understand what's going on here a lot of the time even if you were if you're both different types of autism you know not that there are different types of autism that's the wrong thing to say I mean if you're your autism if you're both, even if you're both autistic and you know you're autistic in different ways it's kind of what I was trying to get at um I retract that statement um understanding goes such a long way you know being compassionate for each other being empathetic just just being a decent human being is something that is so unfortunately undervalued these days but it's so crucially important um finding out early if there are certain ways uh, your partner doesn't like to be interacted with or indeed not just uh, socially emotionally but also physically um and it's not you may feel like it's an inappropriate question to ask early on, but actually, if you're both adults about it, it could actually make a real difference. And, you know, 
physical intimacy in dating and relationships is another thing that if there is stereotypes about that autistic people don't like it, don't want it, don't do it. Again, that will vary across the spectrum, um, but it's not the case for the for the whole shebang, if you like. Um, physical intimacy, I can say for myself, is a very important part of things for me. Very, very enjoyable if you're with the right person and very important. So there's, you know, dispel, I'll dispel, I can't speak. I can never speak. Um, I'll dispel that one um, as a general sweeping statement because it's not, I don't find that to be true across the board. Um, try not to spring too much change on your partner at once. I think that's a big one is, yeah, try not to go quite so balls deep if you can help it because that will link back to what we were talking about earlier with overwhelm overstimulation. Um, be mindful that some things may be easier for you than your partner and just try to learn to adapt accordingly. Now obviously you know every human being is going to be different to each other and that is something that you know nobody can help and nobody should help because that's the way it should be. But yes, um, if you want to try and keep the levels or the possibilities or potentials of overwhelm, overstimulation down, reduced, um, just being mindful that some things that are simple, you don't have to think about, you don't have to consider in your head might not be the case for the other person. And again, we go back to communication. You'll find that you'll find that out without even having to put too much time or effort into it. If you communicate effectively, that's that's such a big one. Um, and the last thing I can sort of say suggestion wise is just be respectful that your partner's desire for structure and routine exists for a reason and again them having a structure and routine and struggling to adapt it struggling to change it struggling to accommodate it to fit you in it as well because trust me they will 100% want to do that it's not about the willingness to it's about the okay well how do I work it out mentally emotionally process wise and that's I think the bit where people fall down is you know, the reciprocating partner will think, oh, you know, they're so rigid in routines or they're so used to doing things this way. They don't want me as part of it. They don't want me in it. No, no, no. That's that's rubbish. Now, there are two terms I want to just cover with you. And they deserve much more time as a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast do. But I do think they're important in the context of what we're talking about in today's episode. Um, the first of those is something you probably haven't heard of, but I would advise anybody to go away and have a little bit of a research um, if you get a chance to do so. Because again, with a lot of the things that we talk about, if you don't understand them and they confuse you, frighten you, put you off, etc., well, actually the best thing to do is to just go away, take some time and research, and maybe you'll understand and it'll become a bit less of those things. Um, the first of which I want to talk about is something called emotional dysregulation. You might be thinking, what the hell is that? Well, I'm going to tell you, so don't don't panic. Um, so just from some research notes that I've managed to to dig up and pull pull up, for myself. I can give you kind of a, just a brief explanation. So people with autism who are in relationships may experience something called emotional dysregulation. Now, emotional dysregulation is described as an emotional response that is poorly regulated and does not fall within the traditionally, in inverted commas, accepted range of emotional reactions. Now, what does that mean? Well, I can give you an example. An example of how emotional dysregulation affects a relationship uh, for example, is when a partner behaves in an impulsive manner by making quick decisions, such as suddenly spending some time away from the other person when they're angry, rather than confronting or dealing with the issue at hand in front of them. Now, I wonder, the example I gave earlier about the last time I saw the person I was seeing, um, I wonder if emotional dysregulation was in play then, because I was essentially dealing with something that I think 
realistically got blown out of proportion. And I I was already, you know, I'm, again, this is not about attributing blame to either party at all. That's not that's not what we're here for at all. And I won't I won't have that. I think, like I said earlier, at that point, I was in a place where I was so over kind of stimulated, so overwhelmed by the feelings that kept growing and growing in me and, and what it all meant that I think my emotional reaction to that moment was probably an example of emotional dysregulation. It was just kind of like, bah, impulsive, no, meltdown coming, you go, I can't, no, bye. Um, and again, it's not my fault. I don't, I don't blame myself for that. However, of course, with emotional dysregulation, a bit like the example they gave um, of, you know, suddenly leaving and spending time away from the other person rather than dealing with an issue is you have to think about the other person in that. And of course, when you're in the heat of that moment of potential dysregulation or, you know, if you're about to have a meltdown, the you go into emergency fight or flight mode and everything else around you sort of goes out the window, rightly or wrongly. Of course, uh, if you're if you're more aware of it, if you're more in control of it, you're more likely to think, oh, no, there's another person here. There's another person involved who I need to also look out for and protect and make sure is OK. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. And I I will regret that forever on my part because um, I didn't handle it very well. <laughs> um, it's not, an ex you know, emotional dysregulation is not an excuse for making these kind of behaviours or these things happening, but they're also not something to stick to beat yourself with because what I'm trying to kind of get across when we're talking about this particular topic today is there are lots of challenges, lots of difficulties that, that autistic people can face that, you know, they don't, are not doing intentionally, they're not doing on purpose to make dating even more, you know, delightfully horrific as it sometimes can be. These are just, these are just barriers, these are just difficulties and problems and struggles that, that they will come up against. And I was really interested reading it about emotional dysregulation because it's something that nobody ever mentions to you in any professional circle. Um, it's something only I found when I went looking and... If someone had said to me, if, if I'd have gone through that experience that I mentioned with this person and then immediately the day after someone had said to me, oh, you've just experienced emotional dysregulation. That's why what happened happened would have made a world of difference. I would have been able to go to that person and go, this is what's just happened. This is the term for it. Um, I feel absolutely awful, terrible. I mean, I did say those things anyway, but um, but I can see there's a process at, at play here and that's what it's called. That's what's happened. That's why it's there. And I'm you know, I would have just, I'd almost have had a, a logical explanation for why what happened, happened. Um, so there is another example of how emotional dysregulation could affect relationships. So if you take a couple, for example, um, you know, any particular couple, um, you, in terms of how it can affect relationships is when the couple have frequent misunderstandings that can be difficult to recover from. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who might have had those moments, um, whether they're dating somebody new or if they're with somebody they've known for quite a while, or even if you've been with somebody long term. There can be examples of un misunderstandings, arguments, disagreements, etc., or conversations uh, where things might get a bit heated, things might a bit get a bit misunderstood, might get a little bit, you know, you're on the different wavelengths or the wrong pages and things are said or things are discussed and you think, God, this is going to be so difficult to recover from. So if you have a, for example, if I can give you context, if you have a disagreement at the beginning of a meal, for example, you've gone out for a meal, you have a disagreement right at the start of the meal. 
the autistic person, uh, because of the emotional dysregulation at play, will then spend the rest of that meal not in the moment. They'll be taken out of the moment. It'll be, they'll almost kind of be dragged, sucked out of that moment because they'll be so stressed because they'll be feeling that the 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 vibe or the atmosphere or the feelings they have are, so, are now so uncomfortable or unpleasant or stressful that they're completely out of the moment. They're completely out of that thing that they went to do with good intentions. And again, that opens the door for potential meltdown or potential anxiety increase. Um, whereas realistically, if you have um, if you're having misunderstandings that you think this is going to be difficult to recover for, or things are getting a bit things are getting a bit heated, things are getting a bit confused, things are getting a bit muddled up or nasty or whatever, the best thing to do actually is for both parties to go. It's okay. It's okay. This isn't, you know, this isn't some big fight. This isn't some big battle or some big kind of, you've said something, I've said something, I hate you, I hate you as well. Let's never speak to each other again. Rah, rah, rah. That is emotional dysregulation if that happens because you haven't dealt with that logically. You haven't dealt with that, you know, responsibly or emotionally, healthily enough. And I can see that. Um I could talk about emotional dysregulation a lot more and I actually think, you know, there's there's a great potential scope for that conversation to come up again. Um, but I'm going to move on from that one. So, so as I said, please, please go and have a look at these terms, these definitions um, and these kind of look and look for explanations and background for yourself if you're confused, because I'll keep reading because I love to read. So <laughs> there we go. Um, but the other one I wanted to talk about in this episode, just to get it in, because again, it ties into the experiences that I've mentioned myself um, is something called alexithymia. Now again that's another word that you probably thought what the fuck? Um, alexithymia, I'm just going to cover it very briefly. So alexithymia is a term to describe problems with feeling emotions. That's quite a big thing. <laughs> um, in Greek, here's a bit of trivia for you, in Greek it loosely translates to no words for emotion. It's estimated that one in ten people have alexithymia, one in ten. But it's much more common in those who experience depression and, you guessed it, in autistic people. It's estimated one in five autistic people have alexithymia. People who have alexithymia may have trouble identifying, understanding and describing emotions. They may also struggle to show or feel emotions that are seen as socially appropriate such as happiness on a joyous occasion. Well, I can tell you, boys and girls, alexithymia, yeah, he's in my life. Um, I'm going to call him a he. I mean, I might have misgendered alexithymia, but I'm sure he won't mind. Um, alexithymia is something, very much as I was just saying about emotional dysregulation, had somebody told me that's what I was experiencing, particularly on that one day example I gave you, would have solved a lot of problems, would have given me a lot more logic in the back of my brain to go, I get it, I've got it, I'm on top of it. And I would, obviously I mentioned earlier on in this particular episode about being with this person this year and struggling to be able to identify what my emotions were or what I was feeling or what it meant. It's alexithymia. It's a common, common case of alexithymia. And to realise these two 
terms to realise what these two things mean. After having gone through a process of meeting somebody I'm absolutely crazy about, somebody I absolutely adored spending time with, somebody I couldn't wait to talk to or see or be around and just adore. Somebody who, for the first time in my life, that had never happened before, I fell in love with. Somebody I am in love with right now. Somebody <laughs> somebody who I, yeah, I'll admit, I don't think it takes away anything from my masculinity or, you know, I think it shows that I'm very emotionally aware and in touch with that. Somebody who I would drop everything, yeah, I'd drop, I'd drop everything at the, I don't have a hat to drop, but I would drop a hat for if, if that moment came up. Um, and it's so sad, it's so tragic in a way that this self-awareness or this self-education comes, as I'm sure so many autistic people can relate to, is this all comes too late. This all comes once misunderstandings have happened, miscommunications have happened, damage is done, upset is caused, pain is caused, you know, unintended rejection is caused, when actually somebody with autism could have the awareness, the education, the support around the things that come with being an autistic adult. Even two examples I've just given you. If these things were present and consciously aware, imagine Imagine what that could save. Imagine what that could salvage. Imagine what that could protect from. Imagine what that could healthily change the outcome of for the better instead of just watching it all go confusingly, messingly, catastrophically collapsing around you because no one knows what the hell's going on. It's huge. It's huge. And... I'm not going to ponder on it too much because it's still quite raw and quite upsetting for me to think about. But I'm just going to give you a little bit more on alexithymia before I shut up for <laughs> the last segment. Um, alexithymia can make it more difficult for autistic individuals to regulate their emotions. So people with, auti with sorry, autism, read slowly. People with anxiety are usually able to accept a level of worry at certain times. So these are people with anxiety but oh, who are not autistic. So people without autism but have anxiety are usually able to accept a level of worry at certain times, maybe during a, an exam or, you know, an interview or something. This, this acceptance level can stop their anxiety getting worse. Now, an autistic person with anxiety and with alexithymia may find this much harder to regulate. So instead of accepting their feelings, they may push them away, they may disregard them, they may reject them, they may not understand them, they may make them frighten themselves even more, which of course, the inevitable outcome, things become much, much worse. I mean, just to conclude on what we just talked about there, the, well, one of the biggest tragedies of that is while you've got all this stuff as a, a, an autistic adult going on and you're trying to date, you're trying to build yourself and find yourself a relationship that you can utterly commit to and, you know, love the pants off. With all that going on, even just those couple of examples, all these struggles, problems, um, potential challenges to think about when you're an autistic adult that's trying to find romance is, what does all that do 
to you in the process. I'll tell you what it does. It takes you, you as you, you as the person you are, the wonderful qualities you have, the, the brilliant things you can bring to someone else, the, you know, the light, the positivity, the laughter, the enjoyment, the fun you can bring. It really puts the hose on all of that while you're swamped under it because you stop being able to just be you with that other person and that is such a tragedy that is so unbelievably unfair and I think when we're talking to neurotypical people so those without who, who are not autistic I often say to people as an autistic adult I often say to people about relationships romance and dating I always say you don't realize until you have something that affects you, you know, in a neurological sense and, and makes things different in such a massive regard. You don't realise what you take for granted in these scenarios. You don't realise as somebody who's neurotypical, yes, of course, you know, we all, you know, you may have mental health struggles and we've already talked about anxiety and depression a little bit. And you're going dating and you think, you know, yeah, you know, I'll take this for granted. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, I'm not fussed about that. Yeah, yeah we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, why, why not? I hope, in some sense, what we've talked about today makes you think, gosh, not, I'm not going to use the word easy, but I at least hope that there are some people that go, blimey, could be harder, could be more of a challenge. Um, I thought it was bad. Take some of what we talked about and put it on your shoulders just for five minutes and... Uh, it might become a little bit clearer. <laughs> but I think what's what's really important to end on today is we've talked a lot about challenges. We've talked a lot about things that are quite difficult, quite emotive. But I really want to end today on the big question is, well, why should I date someone with autism? Very good question. And I'm going to tell you why you should. So, for example, I can put myself in that in that bracket if you like but obviously as I said everyone with autism is very different to each other so don't overgeneralize don't make those kind of sweeping assumptions why should you date someone with autism well they've got some fantastic qualities fantastic qualities for romance for relationship for long-term commitment yeah I'm going to say that again long-term commitment that's not something you hear a lot of these days so what can an autistic person bring to dating or a relationship? Uh, being able to bluntly verbalise what's on their mind, giving you clear, concise, no bullshit is, is a huge quality. I believe that's one that I carry very, very strongly. Um, so, you know, if they're dating you and they're enjoying it or and they're, you know, they like you, they will tell you. They will tell you. They won't play mind games. They won't play, you know, guess who. They won't play, I'm going to hide my feelings so I don't seem so keen or not keen enough. Or we're not going to play the emotional kind of, you know, guess who game. No, if I like you, I like you. You know, I, I know that we talked about earlier that I, my example of struggling to realise I was in love, well, that's a different issue. You know, that wasn't a deliberate thing of me saying, oh, I'd love you, but I'm not going to tell you. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. If I feel something and I know 100% what I feel, I know what it is, I know what it looks like, I know how it feels, I'm going to tell you. Because that's important to me. You're important to me and you mean something to me. So when I've got it, when I've worked it out, when I know what it is in my head, you will know. And you know, <laughs> that is again part of the biggest tragedy that the person that I have these feelings for at the moment is not here anymore because 
I can't do this. I can't, I can't give them this quality, which again is, you know, is very, very sad. But uh, there we go. Uh, another reason to date an autistic person. I don't know if you gathered, autistic people are very, very honest. Very, generally, very, very honest people. Honesty, again, a quality that is lacking in a lot of humans especially in a dating context or relationship context it does seem to be every every corner you turn someone's saying to you your partner's lying your partner's cheating your partner's gaslighting your partner's doing this and that it's hard to know what to actually contextualize hard to know what to actually think for yourself a lot of the time because we're just swamped now with so many kind of negative connotations and I think a lot of people have admittedly I think a lot of people have forgotten the importance, the integral core of being a human being, that honesty is always the most important thing to bring to somebody else's existence. Another quality you cannot underestimate from somebody who is autistic, which is a massive one. Generally, having a much higher emotional capacity than somebody who does not have autism. Now, how many people have you either dated or you've known in the past that you think, yeah, nice looking? Yeah, seems decent. Emotionally, pfft, not there, not available, not switched on, not connected, completely shallow. Shallow is a, I don't know, puddle, if that's the analogy you want to use. Uh, I suppose what the, one of the things that comes with being autistic and having to learn so much more about your emotions and your emotional capabilities and understandings is you could become much, much more connected to them. Uh, generally, to a much higher standard. I mean, again, it's not the, it's not the case across the board for all autistic people, but it certainly is in my case. I am one of the most emotionally aware and connected, switched on people you will probably come across. And you know, sometimes is that to my own personal detriment? Yes, but you know, you know, if you have an autistic person who's into you, who's committed to you, who knows you know, again, put myself in the frame, once they know, once they are in the know and the awareness and the space and they've had the time, the patience the, to process, to understand, once they know that you are their person, they will be there for you. They will support you. They will, they will help you. They will grow with you. They will love you. They will commit to you and they will not give up and they'll not throw you away like, you know, Joe from Weatherspoons. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. I'm sure there's lots of lovely Joes out there. But, you know, it, it's not, it's deeper than that. It's more connected to that. It's more switched on than that. And it goes against the, you know, the, it goes against the stigma. It goes against the stereotype that autistic people don't have emotions. Bollocks. It's utter bollocks. Some autistic people, not all, because, you know, it's the spectrum. Everyone's different. But some autistic people can be the most emotionally capable, the most emotionally switched on, connected and aware people you will ever meet on the planet. And imagine somebody with that, bringing those qualities, bringing that ability to potentially having a relationship with you. It's huge, right? Is it just me? I'm pretty sure that's quite massive. Another thing that goes with emotional intelligence or emotional capacity, loyalty. Oh, loyalty. 
Autistic people are loyal. Like I said, if they commit to something, they ain't going to give it up. They're not going to quit. They're not going to walk away without good, good, solid reason. You know, there's a thing about autistic people that they think very black and white. There's not very much middle ground, which is very true. And I, I, I relate myself to that one. You've got very little chance of being cheated on by somebody who's an autistic partner. Um, I have very, very strong feelings about adultery and cheating. Um, and that is my black and white mindset at play. If you're with somebody, no, never, ever, ever. You don't entertain it. You don't think about it. You don't do it. You, it doesn't come into the equation. It's just no. And, and loyalty, you know, my I only have a very few couple of very close friends, but loyalty, if they need me, I'm there. It doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter when it is. I'm there. You know, my my family, we might not all be as close to each other as, you know, we like or we were or whatever, but I'll drop everything. I said earlier about being in a relationship with somebody that I knew that I loved. If they need me, I'm there. That's proper loyalty. That's mature, meaningful loyalty. And again, it's a dying art, if you ask me. Um, another quality, noticing small details about you that maybe you don't notice about yourself or other people don't notice about you. And we're not talking negative details. We could be talking lovely, quality, beautiful, positive details that you might think, wow, how did they know that? How did they get that? We're very aware, you know, us autistic people. We, we, we catch things that you other humans, <laughs> you might miss. You don't see, you don't hear, you don't sense. Yeah, well, talk to me. <laughs> um, and going hand in hand with that, awareness of what their partner likes because they invest the time, the energy, the understanding, the concentration on you as their partner. So they want to know what you like. They want to know what you don't like. You might have a specific obscure brand of chocolate that you love and you haven't even told them, but they will do that. They will put the work in. They will research that because they know it means something to you. And if it means something to you, even if they don't get it initially, even if they don't understand it, even if it doesn't mean anything to them initially, if it means something to you, if it's important to you, if you've got a connection with it, they want to get on board with that because it's important and it, you know, it's not selfish. It's all about if it's important to you, then it's important to me. And that is something I hugely carry on my shoulders. Um, not always been the best at showing it or going through that. But I've got that in my locker, I think. I've got that in my locker. Um, I just need to... Yeah, I just need to stick someone around long enough to be able to show them that. But uh, there we go. Being very pure hearted, so very understanding towards their partner. Again, ties in with the emotional capacity. Um, so we think we've already covered that one, really. Patience. You have to learn to be very patient when you're autistic. You have to learn to be patient with yourself, with other people, with the world around you. And again, it goes with that thing of somebody who's autistic. Once they're, once they're in, once they're in the club, they'll stick around. More often than not, they'll stick around. They'll be patient. They'll be understanding. They'll try and work it out. If they have to turn it into some form of learning or education to, to get there, to understand, they will. They'll put the work in because that's who they are. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. I really hope you've enjoyed and learned something or just got something, even just a fragment from today's episode. 
For me as the host, this particular topic is a tough one to cover. Originally when I recorded this episode, it was a little bit more raw, a little bit more emotionally all over the place. But I want to give you, I wanted to give you some background. I want to give you some understanding and I want to try and just raise that awareness from an external point of view. And that is essentially what we are here for on Out of the Ordinary. And I hope five episodes in, you're starting to find that that's even just slightly the case. That would be wonderful. So thank you so much for the brief, if you were listening to this in real time, the very brief transmission break. That is episode five, Somebody to Love, of Out of the Ordinary. Next time in episode six, we're looking at the world of work and employment and why, contrary to popular belief, it's not actually that autistic friendly. I will see you next episode. Until then, take care, everyone. <laughs>